This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. All right, what's going on, practitioners? What up? How we doing? Uh, I kind of I want to do the thing that I did for Let's Talk when uh, we were talking about sex on there. Let's talk about sex, baby. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about sex and spirituality in, um, in, the, the, in how it kind of fits into your rule of life. Yep. Um, which it does have a place for sure. Yeah, it does. Uh, I've said it several times since we started this series, talking about Ken's book. I love Ken's book. I think every Christian should read this book. This is the chapter I think needs to be revised. Right. I don't think this is a good chapter. I would much prefer him... I would much prefer him to talk about sexuality or sex and spirituality or sexuality and spirituality in different terms. And when we did the series on sex and purity culture and the whole nine on let's talk kind of debunking that whole way of thinking about sex. The thing that I kept saying, and you, you actually said first and we kept returning to was that sex is an act of worship. If it's done correctly, it can be now. And we've gotten a little bit of pushback on that. We have. Um, there are some people that don't agree with us. I've not can, been convinced by their arguments that I'm wrong. Uh, and so I do want to say, like, there are people in our community that have said, I disagree with you. Although, to be fair, I, I will say that I do agree with them when they're saying, and, and this is going to be a bit vulgar for this podcast, but I, I don't know another way to word it. Um, if it's sex for meeting the need of being horny uh yeah, yeah, um, yeah i think that that is very valid yeah um, so if it's it's if it's sex in the capacity that i in the most vulgar terms and i don't mean it this way but if it's sex for the purpose of i need you for your holes mm-hmm. no i yes. don't think that's worshipful i don't think that's honoring to god i don't think any of that is true the the whole idea of like the tinder culture yep um, yep no none of that none of that the one night stands the hookups the f buddies none of that i think is honoring to god yeah the 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 friends with benefits thing just in general no um i don't think has a place in your rule of life but i do think if you have some kind of monogamous experience of one partner for sex where it's mutually respectable and pleasurable for both of you in a very loving and honoring and selfless way. Yeah. I I think now we're getting into the conversation where this is worshipful. And the, the merit for my basis of that is that in Genesis one, the very first command that God gives them after he makes them Mm. male and female in his image that's to be, the, and yeah. that's the huge thing is like people forget that the image of God language comes from Genesis one, not Genesis two. Right. Which is the where bre- we get the language about 
Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful. The very first thing God tells them is not don't eat of the tree. Yeah. It's to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. To have sex. Meaning your sexuality is directly connected to the image of God. Your sexuality is directly connected to your spirituality. Right. That's why Paul can say all sins a man commits sexually are out, or uh, all sins a man commits are outside his body. But when a man commits sexual sin, he's committing against his body. Yeah. Because your sexuality and your spirituality are directly tied to one another. Yeah. I I, I want to quote a, a friend of ours um, that I, hmm. I don't want to name because I don't know if he would want this like blasted out there. Okay. Um, this person of which I know, this person of which, you know, um, once made a comment to me and, and I've, it's kind of stuck with me about sex, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. stuck with me in, in the terms of consensual relations. Um, mm-hmm. as long as you're not paying for it and there's no abuse, I don't care. Ooh. Um, um and I want to know off camera who said that because I don't recognize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, say it again and go where you're going. As long as there is no abuse and you're not paying for it, I don't care. Meaning that in consenting relations um, done correctly to honor the image of God that you carry, um, it is very important. Um, And when you are... Abusing someone sexually, or you are being abused sexually, or you're paying for it, right? You are harming your own image of God as well as the image of God in the other person. Um, just very, cons- just in a very conceptual nature, this is stuck with me. Mm. Um, because it, he said it in passing. Right, it, it wasn't meant to be this big, like philosophical thing, but he said it, and I don't think he knows. And you probably know who you are if you're listening to this. Um, it that really stuck with me because it it really just made me think about the Imago Day in reference to our sexuality and how if you are doing it outside of consent. Mm. Um, and if it's has monetary value, Mm. um, you are harming the The image image of of God. God. So I agree with you a hundred percent with what you're saying. Right. I disagree with the premise statement. Yeah. That one, that's why I didn't give his name Yeah, yeah, because it, it, that right there can be very controversial. Well, no, but. it's not even the controversy. I, I actually agree with the statement if it had a clarifying, if, if you if knew it had who, a clarifying clause. If you knew who it was, you would agree. Um, I, maybe. I, maybe. I really don't think I would. And the reason is because if you're not paying for it and it's consensual, that's tender. Yes. You but, could do that with a different person again, every night, and I disagree with that premise. Again, the. If I told you who it was, you would understand just naturally the clarifying statement. I think I know who it is. Yeah, I think based on the context. Um, but and if that person were here, I think I would still tell them I disagree. Okay. But um, if it's who I think I'm, if it's who I think it is. But because here's the deal: Jesus has very few statements about sex. 
Jesus has very long discourses about lust. Yes. What's the deal with lust? Is it actually that the person is looking at a woman and going, man, she is quite beautiful? No. No, it's not. It's because he's looking at her in an exploitative way. Yes. She gives me one thing and one thing only. Mm. That's the problem. Sex is sex is a byproduct of intimacy, which then reflects the image of God. Right. If sex is only for the end game, the telos of sex, I don't know that that's fully embracing Imago Day. Well, and that's where we get Pornea, right? Yeah, yes. Um, Which, once again, back to yesterday's episode of Let's Talk, would be legitimate need illegitimate fulfillment yes um and and going back to let's talk episode i don't know a long time ago <laughs> episode long long time ago i'm trying to think um, this is episode 46 we are four weeks away or no we are uh six weeks away from our one year yeah we're getting really close we are getting really and close. we did the the series on let's talk about sex and sexuality about halfway through that reminds um, me of the Pitch Perfect movie. I can't believe you. If you would have never done that, I never thought about what? it. What? Let's talk about sex. <laughs> Let's talk about sex, baby. No, um, no copyright. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't sing it. Um, no, but so... Um, pornea is just a general word that means sex things that are bad. Right. Yes. Yes. That is uh, your definition. And I love it. it. I think that's a great, like, I think that's a great translation of pornea. It it can mean so many different things. Um, if you ask me, based on the context mm. that you see it in scripture, it's based on sexual exploitation. Yeah. Um. Now there there is lots of things going on there and and so it can be interpreted in many different ways but fundamentally what it comes down to is sexual exploitation and consent issues yes um and so with that being said lack of consent contributing to harming the image of god is a real thing especially when you see it used in context with paul yeah, so I think it's just exploitation in general. Lack, lack of consent is right. always exploitation. Right. Um, but there are other ways to exploit someone that also have right. consent-ish whether you're situations. Paying, whether it's like a you're, you're paying for it in some way, right? Or manipulating consent out of someone. Or that too, yeah. Either way, it is a end goal that you are getting. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And so yeah. in the ancient world yeah. with Corinth, right? Um, yeah. It was the, yes. pleasing the sex god. Right. Yeah. Um, well, just in general, it's it's that orgasm, not intimacy and love, are the end game. Right. And I don't think that that is life giving. The other thing, and you keep talking about consent, and Ken brings this up in his book, is that it's life giving boundaries. Mm. This is I actually like that a lot. Well, it is, and because that's true. And and I had a friend tell me this, and I just fully embrace that. Like I'm not trying to have sex. I'm trying to have great sex. Yeah. 
with one person for a lifetime. Yeah. Great sex comes from trust mm. and communication and Which consent. Which only comes from vulnerability. Yes. That's my point. And so we say it all the time. In a unified one-person relationship with consent, I think pretty much anything is permissible. Mm. But there also have to be boundaries. Like if you want to go down a road that your partner doesn't want to go down, that's further exploitation if you force them into that, even if you're in committed relationships with someone. Absolutely. Um, Agreed. That becomes extremely problematic long term. Um, hundred percent. If you begin to force things on someone, like that, in order for your sexuality and your spirituality to be in this unified place, mm. you must have the same unification and respect and mutuality that the Trinity has. Yeah, that's the imagery that we get here, um, and it's very metaphorical. And I understand that, but I also think it's very helpful. How do you get a son and a father without a mother? Mm. Like that entire metaphor breaks down when you don't bring the Holy Spirit in as the femininity of God. Right. Which, oddly enough, is presented as gender neutral in the Hebrew, right? Like, well, yeah, Ruach mm. and Numa in... Oh, they're both gender neutral. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, it does create a, a really weird thing there. It does. But But the metaphor is, breaks down. Right. And, that, and that's what I would say. I'm not, I'm not talking ontological. I don't think Jesus is not preexistent or the sun's not preexistent. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying the metaphor itself is helpful if you begin to think about it in those terms. Right. And alongside that metaphor, we or even even furthering of that metaphor, humanity's made in the image of God. And the first command they're given is to have sex. Yep. That would mean that the met like the metaphor and, and specifically in the context of image of God and likeness of God, like the the metaphor should be mirrored back onto God. Yeah. Practitioner if you haven't picked this up, in in the context of sex. Mm-hmm you have to consider the image of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they are directly connected, and you cannot have one without the other. Yes. Um, just like eating. Yes. Um, it, 100, 100%. We are told to eat and work, right? Both things yep. that are connected to the image of God, which yep. I don't think anyone would disagree with. Um, along with those things comes sex mm-hmm. in the same sequence. It's quite Freudian of you. Or Maslow. Uh, no, it'd be Freudian. Um, yeah. um, and Or both. The hierarchy of needs would also fall into that. Yes, um, but that really started with Freud. Uh, uh, I don't, yeah, I'm not disagreeing but, with you. But so with, with that, um, Freud did a lot of things that I disagree with. Uh, uh, could not. You've never said a statement I agree more with. <laughs> But um, giving his uh, patients cocaine, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yep. <laughs> but not great, not great, brother. But the, what Michael Jackson did that and it cost him his life. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> it's not great. Not a good solution, there, buddy. But the idea of 
sex being directly connected to your needs yeah and that level of release that you get and this is something i was thinking about earlier that is why it needs to be connected to your your rule of life Mm. um is because there's a moment in that moment of ecstasy Mm. there's a also a moment of clarity yeah i think Um, yeah Mm -hmm. and in all of that there and this is coming from a guy who has studied this extensively, but um, is also not married. So uh, Cullen can help me with this. But um, in that moment of ecstasy, there's a moment of clarity where you recognize intimacy with your partner, mm-hmm. with God, and your own self. Yeah, so I, I see what you're saying. The way that I like to say it all the time is that sex becomes the constant through which you judge your relationship health. Mm, because okay. when your relationship like begins to deteriorate, you begin to push sexual boundaries. Yeah. You begin to care mm. less about your partner you begin to get much more selfish, just like you would in any relationship. Wow. A very sexual, a very healthy sexual person can be able to tell the health of their relationship based on the health of their sex life. That, that is really insightful. And that's why, and Ken talks about, that's why pornography is so problematic because you get used to this never ending scroll of new women or new men or new situations, new fantasies that your partner can never live up to you by taking porn into this mutually unified relationship. You you've, you've let porn become the first instigator of your selfishness, Mm. which you're then going to carry over into your relationship, your sexual relationship, which (laughs) if you're not careful, will then venture over into your realized relationship, which we talked about extensively on our pornography episode on let's, we did pornography is definitely the thing. Like if you haven't listened to that episode, you, you really should go listen to it. Um, because we detailed out the pitfalls of pornography a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think, and this is where, like, I really think Ken could have done a much better job with this section. And honestly, it's almost made me want to create a, not a book, but like maybe a pamphlet mm. or a booklet about sexuality and spirituality and the interconnectedness of them. Because I just don't think his chapter is very good. I mean, I love the book, but I do not think his chapter on this is very good. Because I mean, he has a section on giving life to others, and that is what sex is. Fundamentally, you don't. The reason for sex is procreation. Yes, but at the same point, you ever met someone who's severely sexually frustrated? Oh yeah. Are they pleasant to be around? No. No, it's because what? it's a it's a very primal need that's connected to our image, which is therefore an experience of our wholeness, which, which is what is so damaging about purity culture. Yeah. Um. Preach. Right. It, it is that is what is so damaging about purity culture, and, and what, and, and I don't want to throw Catholics 
in like under the bus with this. There are what is in the media, but I want everyone to know that this is also happening in the evangelical church as well. Yeah. Right. Um, but that is why we have such a, a problem with clergy um, sexually abusing their congregants. Um, and the stereotypical term, which I, I, I just hate, is, you know, priests molesting the altar boys. Seven, um, 750 Southern Baptist pastors were found to sexually exploit congregants in 2019. Yeah. In the state of Texas. Just in Texas. And that's only Southern Baptist. That's yeah. not just a Catholic thing. It, it is not just a Catholic thing. But the the idea of keeping yourself, quote, pure, yeah. right, um, and away from sexual immorality, right, um, which there is a place for and needs to be taken into oh, for sure. yeah. serious consideration, but it, it has been taken to extremes. It has. And... Um, well, has contributed to a lot of pain and hurt, and therefore, people walking away from the church. Well, I think it's twofold, and if if I might be allowed to be so bold, this is also the problem with LGBTQIA plus issues. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's at least be bold. On it's this. power dynamics combined with suppression of need and desire. Yes. Look, here's the deal. If our sexuality and our spirituality are directly tied together, which I agree that they are, I think the biblical text is very clear that they are. I think Paul is very clear that they are. I think Genesis is very clear that they are. And I think my experience as a human being is very clear that they are. Yep. Purity culture and other ways for the sexual ethic movement, which also, if I might be so bold... Any conversation about homosexuality also must be a conversation about cohabitation mm. because it's a question of the sanctity of mm. marriage. The minute you disconnect those, it's no longer a valid conversation. Yep. Be quiet. It's not a valid conversation anymore. Yep. If you, if it, and specifically to the pastors, if you are okay with marrying someone who's cohabitating, you have no right to talk about homosexual relationships. Yep. You have no right. They are the same. It's a conversation of the sanctity of marriage. And when you disconnect them, it's problematic. I could so, not agree more. <laughs> so it, it's always sexual abuse comes from the stigma of suppression of sexual desire. Yep. And that's true. Catholic priests must be celibate. Mm -hmm. Evangelical pastors work an insane amount. On the topic of Catholic priests being celibate, though, there has been some people, um, uh, Pope Francis being one of them, mm. um, that has vocalized trying to change that. Mm. Um, well, you can also be a Catholic priest if you were another denomination, you already got married, and then you joined the clergy. Yes. You can stay married. Yes. Uh, but... Pope Francis has been trying to change that because he sees the the issue here, right? He sees how problematic it is in trying to combat your image of God in that way, yeah. um, and and he's been trying to he's been getting some pushback, yeah, 
Um, because let, let's also be honest here for my evangelical friends that don't understand. Um, the Pope does not have final say. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, he answers to a board of cardinals. Yep. And <clears throat> he is trying to change that because he sees the problem, or at least he's vocalized that he's trying yeah. to change that. And and so fundamentally, if we base, like we have throughout history, that if we, throughout history, the church has been pay, based on the Catholic church. Yes. Um, and if if we look at that. Well, up until about 1500. Up until about 1500. Yeah. But historically speaking, yeah. if we base the direction of the church based on Catholicism mm -hmm. and the Catholic church, mm -hmm. and they're trying to change it, mm -hmm. and we have changed it, changed that one specific piece, mm -hmm. gone backwards <laughs> mm -hmm. with purity culture. Yeah. And now the Catholic church is also trying to move this direction. Maybe it's time for us to look at our idea of sex and sexuality as Protestants and evangelicals and maybe try to move in, in a direction that is healthier for us as humans in the image of God. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think... And this is why I say, and I get in trouble when I say this all the time, because people think I'm reading into the text and all this kind of eisegesis stuff. I, I think they're wrong. I think I'm reading the text for what the text is. But if God says, if God commands in Genesis 1 to be fruitful and multiply, that would mean that Adam and Eve are disobeying God by not doing that. Mm. Mm. Well, and then we also get the whole thing about it's not good for man to be alone too, right? Well, and then even in the curse, mm. in Genesis 3, God tells Eve, you will now yeah, experience pain in childbirth. Why would you tell someone that if they don't have an experience of childbirth without pain? Yeah. I just think the whole thing, and I, I don't agree with the, the argument coming back. Well, that gets rid of the sin entered the world through one man. No, get out of here. That's a sin, different conversation. Sin entered the world through Eve, according to the narrative. Right. But according Paul to Paul. seems to think that it's Adam. <laughs> yeah. It's like the whole thing. Like, just, just stop it. Like, stop getting that nitty and gritty about it. The whole thing is that God makes several commissions related to sex and then therefore curses a piece of sex yeah. through all of this, sexuality and spirituality are uniquely tied together. Yes. And I do think that suppression of sex, now I'm not saying go have sex in any kind of which way. Like I do think sex needs to be honored. I think marriage is a good thing. I think it needs to be consensual and respectful and, and monogamous and all of these things. Like I'm not, I'm not negating any of that. But sexual suppression of desires does not lead to life-giving people. Mm. The experience of a full and whole and wholly healed person is a person who is sexually healthy 
Yeah, maybe healthy is the right word. I was struggling with the word. I because I almost said fulfilled, but it's not. It's, it's not sex can't be something that's consumer based yep. because that's when you get orgasm Selfish. as the telos. Mm-hmm. It's like that's not what it is. But a sexually healthy person, or let me say, you can never have a fully whole person if you can't have a sexually healthy person. I think they are so interconnected that the minute that you disconnect them, you've done a disservice to Imago Day. So there's a there's a, a, um, a account on Instagram that I follow that I would urge any anyone listening to this podcast to also go follow. It's called Kingdom Section Sexuality, mm. and all of it is about how to live this kind of sexuality in a monogamous way. And and one of the things they say on there, and I, I'm I'm very pro this actually, for a lot of people. Um, I don't think it works for everyone. But they actually, and this the reason I'm telling you this because it fits with rule of life. There, I think there are lots of ways you can write a rule for your sexuality and spirituality and the interconnectedness of them. One of the most simple ideas, and this is actually one where I don't want to share my own because it involves another person, but they actually recommend that you schedule sex with your person when you're going to have sex. Not always, but it takes, in their words, it takes the anxiety out of knowing if you're going to have sex or not. It takes the fear out of making the first move and experiencing rejection. Mm. And it allows both of you to receive fulfillment because you've both planned for it and are expecting it and therefore are both engaged in the tension leading up to it. They offer all kinds of things like that that I think are helpful to the rule of life. I'll try to find them, link them in the in the description below. But I do think kingdom sectionality and, and creating sexuality and spirituality and writing that into your rule of life is vital.